Hello, everyone, and welcome to the sixth episode of Murder Monday on Late Night Crimecast. I'm your host, Robin Steffens, and every month on a random Monday, I will do a Murder Monday podcast in which I discuss psychopaths, serial killers, mass murderers, and more. Before I get started, I would like to give a special shout out to Hope3377 and uh, White Chocolate Anonymous. Great name, by the way. Thank you guys so much for giving me a review on Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate the support. So thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys keep me going and make me so excited to go forward with this podcast. So yes, I just want to give you guys a shout out. Now, let's get back into this episode. Because it is still Black History Month, I would like to talk about possibly one of the most prolific serial killers in U.S. history. We often hear about the Ted Bundys and Jeffrey Dahmers, you know, serial killers who are often white males. We hear about them, we see tons of media from, you know, movies to TV shows made about them, and they're often romanticized. But hardly do we ever hear or see anything about African-American serial killers. And if we do, they certainly aren't being sensationalized the way white serial killers are. And maybe that's a good thing. But anyway, today we're going to be talking about a man, a monster, named Samuel Little. Samuel Little, originally Samuel McDowell, was born on June 7, 1940, in the state of Georgia. It's very unclear who exactly his parents were, and authorities believe that his mother was in and out of jail and actually gave birth to him in prison, so there's not much to be known about his parents. Little himself claims that his mother was a teenage prostitute who abandoned him when he was younger. And this will become a lot more relevant the more we learn about him, so take note of this now. But as I was saying, even though he was abandoned, or he says he was abandoned, he wasn't necessarily left without family, and actually was raised by his grandmother in Lorraine, Ohio. I'm unsure of what kind of environment he lived in there, or even the exact age he moved there. Like, there really was little information that I could confirm, Which makes sense because it's been pretty recent that he's been convicted of all of his charges, but all that's really known is that he grew up poor and that he was always in trouble in school. One can assume by the track record of most serial killers, though, that he had a turbulent childhood at best. But regardless, he did have family, he did go to school, no idea if he was abused or not, but something I do know is that as a teenager, He actually attended Hawthorne Junior High School, but he was not well behaved and had problems with discipline. Add that to academic issues and he just ended up dropping out of school. And he was still a young teen when he did. Now with him leaving school, this gave him a lot of time to build up his criminal record. So Little, he didn't start off with killing. He started off with much smaller crimes. The first time he was actually caught for a criminal act, 
It was for stealing a bike. I've actually heard that he got caught for breaking and entering as well, but I don't know which is the truth, so I'll just mention both. It was either he got caught for stealing a bike, he got caught breaking and entering, or maybe they're a combination of the two. Regardless, he didn't really get in that much trouble for that, and he was just sent away to a boy's juvenile center. This was in 1956. And of course, once he gets out, he continues to commit crime. The next crime he is caught for is robbery, and this is a robbery due to breaking into a furniture store. That happens around 1961. When he was caught, he was sent away for three years. And despite the horrible crimes he ends up committing, that would be his longest stint in jail for the next few decades. Actually, until 2012. And I mean, three years is nothing for this guy. He spent a little while in there before being released again in 1964, and he ends up going out to commit even worse crimes. Something that should be made clear about Little is that he was a drifter, sort of a nomad. He often moved from place to place, and this really helped him commit more crimes and go on without being caught for them. I mean, he was committing these crimes in a different day and age. So the communication between states wasn't there, the surveillance wasn't there, the tracking wasn't there. He was basically able to travel around and just commit crimes off the whim. So in his 20s, he actually ended up moving to Florida to live with his mother. And once again, there's really little to no information about her, unfortunately. But it's said that he moved to Florida to live with her. And while he was there, he started to work in the Dade County Department of Sanitation. He did that for a little bit before working as a cemetery worker, which is really ironic because of who he would become in the near future. So he was there for a bit, just working, but then for whatever reason, he decided to move away from Florida. And instead of moving, he just decides to drift around the country, kind of going state to state. So he was more of a transient than anything else at this point. Little ended up traveling from state to state and he got arrested for fraud, driving under the influence, assault, armed robbery, rape, and a ton of other crimes. And this is all by 1975. He had been arrested over 25 times across 11 states during that time period. So that's like a ton of crime he was committing. And you would think he would have been imprisoned for a long time but he actually ended up being incarcerated for less than 10 years altogether, which is a really short amount of time compared to the slew of crimes he was committing, at least the ones he was getting caught for. I mean, I think the reason for him not being caught was that he would use his name, Samuel McDowell, and then also this alias that kind of stuck with him, Samuel Little. So he was very smart and Doing this allowed him to not get caught. I mean, he was arrested for so many things, like anything you can think of. His rap sheet was over 100 pages long. And, you know, he had started to exhibit extremely dangerous behavior so early, but hardly anything was done for it. For instance, in 1976, a woman named Pamela K. Smith ran half naked with her hands bound behind her back to a nearby home after escaping from Little. He had strangled, bitten, beaten, and sodomized her. 
he was convicted of assault for this with the intent to rape. And for that assault, he was only sentenced to three months in jail. Just three months. At the time he was in jail for those three months, he had already committed at least a dozen murders in other states. I mean, I just feel like he was moving so carefully, picking his victims especially carefully, you know, and this really helped him to be convicted lightly of everything but murder. Well, at least not yet. But first, I want to talk about his victims. Like I said, he was very careful picking them and he really picked on very vulnerable people. I think one of the main reasons his murders went so undetected for so long was that many of his victims and alleged victims were sex workers, drug addicts, and the homeless. And not only that, but many of his victims were women of color. I mean, clearly he was targeting people that he felt their deaths were not going to be looked into that much. And if we follow history and see how women, and especially women of color, were treated, we can easily see how he got away with the crimes he committed for so long. No one's going to investigate or care if a prostitute goes missing. No police officer is going to thoroughly investigate the suspicious death of a poor black woman. And Little even said himself, quote, I never killed no senators or governors or fancy New York journalists, nothing like that. I stayed in the ghettos. So Little would find these women, kidnap them, and murder them. His MO was to knock out his victims and then strangle and rape them. That or he would masturbate over them. He would then dump their bodies and leave the state, making him almost impossible to track. The first time he was even arrested for a murder was in 1982. He was arrested in Pasagula, Mississippi and charged with the murder of a 22-year-old woman named Melinda Rose LaPree. But unfortunately, he was not indicted for this crime. The only witnesses were sex workers who stated that they saw Little with her last and that they too had been assaulted by him. But of course, they were not seen as being credible, so he was let go. But right after that, he was actually transferred to Florida to stand trial for beating, raping, and murdering a 26-year-old mentally disabled woman named Patricia Ann Mount. This case had witnesses as well that testified that Little had been with Mount at a bar on the night before her disappearance. But once again, the witness's testimony wasn't trusted, so he was acquitted in January of 1984. Now a free man once again, Little decides to make his way to San Diego, California. Months after his arrival, in October of 1984, he goes out again and commits a horrific crime. He ends up kidnapping, beating, and strangling a 22-year-old woman named Lori Barros. She was a prostitute at the time, and after she was brutally assaulted, she was dumped on the side of the road like trash. Her only saving grace being that she was able to play dead until he left. Only a month later, he was arrested after being found in the backseat of his car with an unconscious woman named Tanya Jackson, who had also been beaten and strangled. 
The two crimes were connected and he was sentenced to four years in prison. Only four years. And that's not the worst part. He ends up getting out after two and a half years, after which he goes on to live free and commit at least 10 more murders. And I mean, yeah, he gets arrested a few more times after that, but never for anything serious, not for murder. That is until 2012. Los Angeles authorities were looking for him in connection with some unsolved murders from the late 1980s. They were able to trace him through his social security benefits, which had last been used in Louisville, Kentucky. It was there that he was arrested in a homeless shelter on an outstanding warrant for drug charges. He was then extradited to California where the Los Angeles Police Department obtained samples of his DNA to see if they were a match to their unsolved murders. The woman, Carol Eileen Elford, killed July 13, 1987, Guadalupe Duarte Apodaca, killed on September 3, 1987, and Audrey Nelson Everett, killed on August 14, 1989, had all been beaten and strangled to death, with their bodies being dumped in an alley, garage, and a dumpster. His DNA was a match. He was found guilty, and on September 25, 2014, he was given three consecutive life sentences with no possibility of parole. It wasn't long until they were working to connect him to even more crimes committed in the 1980s and beyond. At first, Little denied being involved in any of the crimes, but soon he was willing to talk in exchange for a transfer to a better prison. Over the course of 78 days, Little confessed to murdering 93 women in 19 states between 1970 and 2005. He recalled very specific details about the murders, what city they were in, what car he was driving, and what the victim looked like. He even drew portraits of each of his victims with accurate details. The portraits, they were so accurate that it said that he likely has a photographic memory and was a genius of sorts, especially because of how he was able to remember everything and certain details for a man his age and for so many killings, it was impressive. Little himself showed no remorse for any of his killings. He would often laugh and make light of them, talking about them like it was just a normal thing. The sheer number of his killings is horrifying enough. But the fact that he seemed to think nothing of it, now that's chilling. With such a large amount of killings, you would think that many of them would have been made up, but no. Authorities have confirmed that most of the killings he described are corroborated with a lot of evidence. Of course, they're still working on it, but if all 93 of his alleged murders are confirmed, he would be responsible for more deaths than Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, and Jeffrey Dahmer combined. To this day, the majority of the victims remain unidentified. And unfortunately, because back then it was hard to identify foul play without a bullet wound or a stabbing, many of their deaths could have been attributed to natural causes or drug overdoses or simply just accidents. Little is currently in prison. He is 79 years old and in poor health 
serving out his life sentences. He will die there. He now uses a wheelchair, has diabetes, and a heart condition. Authorities are still trying to connect his confessions and portraits to several cold cases before he dies. wish I could name and mention each and every one of his victims, but that would be honestly so many people and it would be so heartbreaking. If you guys want to learn more about his victims, do some research on this. There are literally so many cases, so many women that were just overlooked by police, maybe because of their skin color, maybe because they were prostitutes, sex workers. Maybe because they were drug addicts. Their cases just were overlooked. And I honestly feel like if he didn't prey on such a, you know, minority of women, on such vulnerable women, such as sex workers, I feel like they're such vulnerable women because of their job. I feel like if he didn't prey on them, then he probably would have gotten caught much quicker but because he was smart about what he did, no matter how horrible, he did approach it in an intelligent way. Um, but because of that, he was able to get away with so many crimes. To any person who hears 93, it's just, I don't know. I just can't explain it. It just sounds impossible. But authorities are saying that it's looking like it's true like all the details are adding up everything's matching up they're working on several cold cases still trying to connect all the dots trying to find his victims and you know find everyone possibly affected by him and there are still victims like living victims of his that survived and so i just think that it's so extraordinary that he had not only just the dead victims but victims that survived him so his count his number is even higher you know not just the people he murdered but you know all the people he possibly affected by all the crimes he committed and so yeah i definitely advise you if you're interested to do some research look this up it would be impossible for me to just add everyone and it'd probably be you know kind of boring to, for me to add you know every single one of his victims but definitely do some research on it um, there are lists out there. There are timelines out there. The FBI actually did a timeline where they basically mark, you know, where he was and what he was doing. And so if you're interested, look up his FBI timeline. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to be it for today. Thank you guys so much for listening and make sure to tune in this Thursday for another episode. I'm really excited for the next episode. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening. Bye. Thank mm -hmm. you.